Good morning. I never dreamed I would ever be speaking at an agriculture conference in my life. Years ago, I loved flowers, so I attempted to grow flowers, and I killed every plant I ever tried to grow, whether it was an inside plant or an outside plant. My grandmother felt sorry for me, so one day she brings me this plant, and it was a weed, but it had a little blue flower, which blue is my favorite color. She gave it to me and she said, this is a weed, nothing will kill it, so you'll do well with this. And I took this weed and I planted it and I managed to kill the weed. Yes, I did. So I decided it was enough. I'm not torturing plants anymore. I'm never gardening again. And then I came across the messages that have been given to us about agriculture. All the evidences were against me. And I come to the point where I have to decide, will I believe, believe in my experience or will I believe the word of God? I share this with you to give you hope. If you, like me, think that you can't grow anything, just remember, as we are told in Christ Subject Lessons, page 146, it is not the capabilities you now possess or ever will that will give you success. It is that which God, that what the Lord can do for you. So I chose to believe, praise the Lord. And against all odds, I began to pray and plant. And today, I can tell you that I have eaten tomatoes, lettuce, kale, garlic, onions, um, potatoes, green beans, all sorts of things of my garden. I am still a beginner, but God has blessed me as I have chosen to trust in his word. So this is my prayer that my presentation this morning, if nothing else, will strengthen your faith that God does have something better. And even if it doesn't make sense, even if it looks hopeless, you can trust his word and he will make it better. And so my presentation, or this presentation originally, by the way, was titled Something Better. Right? And when I was invited to present it here, since the um, uh, com conference um, title is something better, I gave it a different title. Will we believe? Will we believe truly that there is something better? This is the question. There's no question that God has something better. What we need to come to grips with is to believe it and to grab hold of that. And so today, this is what I hope to uh, share with you. I'm not talking to you about agriculture uh, necessarily. Um, I am not advanced enough to do that. I will be talking to you on the subject of true education. Now, I know some of you may think, well, I'm not a parent and I'm not a teacher. This doesn't apply to me. I have news for you. This topic of education applies to every one of us. And I truly believe every Seventh-day Adventist Christian should read the book of education. Because the reason why we are still in this world is because we have not learned our lessons. God is the great teacher. We are the students, and this life is our school. We can't leave until we graduate. 
So if we don't understand God's way of teaching, we may not be learning the lessons he wants us to learn. So the principles I'm going to share are going to be very specific to what we're doing at the elementary school, but they all apply to each of us, whatever we're doing, because every day we are being educated, and we need to make sure we're being educated by God. And so before I go on, I'm going to pray and invite the Lord to be with us, if you can join me. Dear Father, we come to you because we want to learn from you. We come to you asking for your Holy Spirit. We have promised that the Spirit will teach us all things, whatsoever you have commanded. And this morning, as we look at what you have commanded, we pray for you, Spirit, to teach us, to teach us our duty, to teach us how to apply these principles in our lives. Give us humble hearts teachable hearts, that we will learn from you, day by day, moment by moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Something better is the watchword of education, the law of all true living, whatever Christ asks us to renounce, he offers in his stead something better, whatever he asks us to do now. So whether it's education, whether it's agriculture, whether it's family life, whatever it is, God has something better. The weighted truths of God's word are for those who are humble and willing to learn at the feet of the divine teacher. Right? So we need to learn to be students if we are to learn the great truths of God. They're for those who are willing, humble and willing. Now, as I mentioned, the book of education is one we all need to read, and uh, many of the quotes I'm going to share from, uh, today are from the book of education. This one is found in the very first paragraph, page 13, and it says, Our ideas of education take too narrow and too low a range. There is need of broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain uh, course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. It is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Now, let's start looking about how we can be educated from God in this way of education. Uh, here, speaking about Jesus, it says, His education, this is education page 77, His education was gained directly from the heaven-appointed sources. And what were these sources? From useful work, from the study of scriptures, and of nature, and from the heaven ex uh, experiences of life. God's lesson books, full of instruction to all who will bring to them the willing hand, the seeing eye, and the understanding heart. So God is all the time teaching us through useful work, through the study of the scriptures, through nature, and through the experiences of life. If we learn God's way of, of teaching, it, his way of education, 
we will be learning lessons every day of his character, of his love, and of what he wants us to do. So as we um, study these councils and look at what we needed to do at the elementary school, I began the, to work there five and a half years ago, and I come from a um, worldly background of education. I studied in public schools, I went to university in public schools, I taught in public schools for 10 years, and then I come to this school, only have heard a little bit about true education and have nothing else but that. And uh, I began to pray, study and pray. And I was reading everything that was uh, in the councils about education. I was counseling with people who had knowledge about it and I was praying. Praying and studying, praying and studying, and applying as I was learning. So the first thing that came, to my, that came clearly to my mind is that the study of the Bible is one of the most important aspects of true education. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. This is Psalms 119, verse 130. In Christian um, Councils of the uh, Church, page 202, it says the students are to be educated in practical Christianity and the Bible must be regarded as the highest, the most important textbook. Now, the, the, what I came to understand was that it's not just Bible time that the Bible should be used, but in every one of our studies. Now, that does not mean that uh, I open the Bible and, study and, and teach them only about uh, things from the Bible. We use the Bible as our main textbook, and we use other books as resource books. Uh, right Now, we always teach the principles of the Bible, whether we're doing math, whether we're doing science, whether we're doing social studies, in anything that we're doing, we are carrying in there the principles of the Bible. So it is not enough to begin the day, read the Bible, and the rest of the day you go back to education as usual. Everything needs to be based on the Bible principles. If there's any part of the studies that is not um, complying with Bible principles, it goes out. So we have a curriculum, we have certain things that are, we are expected to cover every year, and we look at them, uh, some of them we cross them out because they have nothing to do with the training our children need to be missionaries for Christ, and uh, some others we, apply, we adapt it, we move it around and, uh, so that we are teaching the, the, the subjects, but with the principles of the Bible. And this is very important. Anything you do needs to be able to be in harmony with these principles. If it is not, waste not a moment teaching it to the children. And because of that, we understood that there are some things that must be left out of our school. There are many things, and I'm going to share two with you that I've found to be a very big issue in schools that are expected, that people uh, are expected to have there, and do not have the spirit of Christ in them, and do not have the Bible principles in them. One of them is the reading of fiction. And in Christians, uh, in Councils to the Church, page 170, it says, Those whose imagination has not become perverted by the reading of fiction will find the Bible the most interesting of books. 
The problem why our youth do not enjoy studying the Bible is because we raise them reading fiction books. Now, when I read this, I was teaching in public schools, and I uh, grew up reading fairy tales. I loved them, and it was my favorite thing to share with the children. I taught first grade. You teach reading with fiction books. You don't use anything else but fiction books, mainly in that grade. And so it was a hard thing for me. And, but even in that, in that uh, situation, I chose to follow God's counsels. And the Lord helped me to see, when you choose to be faithful, he will provide the way. But I was determined, if I am not able to do it, then I need to find another occupation. Right? So it's not always the case that you will be able to stay where you are and do God's will. So you have to be willing to step out and go somewhere else if that is what uh, it takes to follow God's principle. The other thing we knew could not be part of our program was competition. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done, nothing, through strive or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, if you think about this principle, there is absolutely no way that you can excuse the games that are being played that are competitive. And let me tell you something. We usually only think about sports this way, but any game where someone is winning is a competitive game. Some are more competitive than others, but everyone that every game where someone is winning and someone is losing is a competitive game where you are not trying to think of others better than yourself. Right? You're trying to rule them out so you can get there. And this spirit we are feeding to our children and then we wonder why they are the way they are. Right? We are teaching them these principles to their games. They learn to be who they're going to be in their games. You cannot excuse, oh, it's just a game, we're just playing, it's just a joke. Anything we do, everything that we expose ourselves to is educating our minds, everything. We have this mindset that education happens in a classroom or just the hours that you're doing homeschool. Education is all day long. What you are watching, what you're listening to, what you're participating in, what you're thinking about is educating you. And so we cannot allow these things to just be part of our uh, education of the children and expect them to have the principles of the Bible cemented in their hearts. Um, this quote is found in the Zara of Ages, page 435 and, page, and through page 436. And it says, The Savior gathered his disciples about him and said to them, If any man decide to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. Lucifer has said, had, had, had said, I will be like the Most High. And the desire for self-exaltation have brought strife into the heavenly courts, and have banished multitude of the host of heaven. He sought for himself the highest place, and every being who is actuated by his spirit will do the same. Thus, alienation, discord, and strife will be inedible. Dominion becomes the prize of the strongest. The kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of force. Every individual regards every other as an obstacle in the way of his own advancement. Isn't this what games are? If you're my obstacle, I need to get you out. 
or a stepping stone on which he himself may climb to a higher place. Very tenderly, yet with solemn emphasis, Jesus tried to correct the evil. He showed that it is the principle, he showed what is the principle that bears sway in the kingdom of heaven and in what true greatness consists, as estimated by the standard of the courts above. Those who were actuated by the pride and love of dis distinction were thinking of themselves and of the rewards they were to have, rather than how they were to render back to God the gifts they had received. They would have no place in the kingdom of heaven, for they were identified with the ranks of Satan. So as we think about the games we let our children play, uh, let's think about the spirit that's behind it. Are we feeding the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Satan? I, I um, was sharing yesterday in our um, workshop on tree education how important it is that even do, during recess, the teachers are there, close enough to hear the conversations of the children, see what they're doing to guide them. Because sometimes they're playing games that will, can be very friendly games, but still have a competitive spirit about them. And so you have to guide them and, and lead them because it is our nature um, to, to want to be better than others. And we need to be constantly guarding our, our carnal na nature. Now, next to the Bible, this, the book of nature is one that is very important in education, not just for our children, but for us. Um, next to the Bible, nature is to be our great lesson book, Child Guidance, page 45. The little children should come especially close to nature, uh, Great Controversy, page 48. And part of nature, of course, is agriculture. The natural and the spiritual are to be combined in the studies of our schools. The operation of agriculture illustrates the Bible lessons. The laws obeyed by the, the earth reveal the fact that it is under the masterly power of an infinite God. The same principles run through the spiritual and the natural world. Divorce God and his wisdom from the acquisitions of knowledge, and you have a lame, one-sided education dead to all saving qualities which give power to man. This is Fundamentals of uh, Education, page 374. Study in agricultural lines should be the A, B, and C of the education given in our schools. Testimonies, volume 6, page 179. And so, of course, agriculture is part of our um, Curriculum at the school, we have a little garden. This is our garden at our school. The children here are picking kale. This is the kale that we grew there. We have three grow boxes in our front yard. We don't have a whole lot of space, um, but we do what we can sorry, in that space. This is a field that we are clearing out close to the school to um, be able to expand our garden. We're not sure yet if it will work, but we're trying to work on it and see what can come out out of it. We also get agriculture at Pastor Abba's house. The children go there every other week. And he's a very good gardener and, and teaches them all kinds of things. And the children were um, picking um, sweet potatoes that day. And they were excited about the different shapes, as you can see. Um, this is, we've also gone to different people's gardens in the, in the, in the campus and helped them out. We were here. Um, measuring to, to align the, the rows so they get to do math and science and 
uh, all kinds of skills in, in this. And this is an important aspect of practical skills, that they get to see um, a practical way to use the knowledge they are learning in the classroom. This is how children learn. They do not learn by hearing, um, they learn by doing, and so when you, they are able to use these things, it, it sticks. They are able to actually remember it and to understand it uh, so that they can use it for the rest of their lives. Um, sorry. Um, we also work at the farm. We go there once uh, a week. We have a farm at the Wildwood Lifestyle Center, um, and the children go there. Um, every week and do different things. Here they are harvesting inside one of the hoop houses. Um, yeah, getting things bundled up for the market. Now, the, one of the most important things uh, of agriculture is that they learn spiritual lessons. And so every time we do something, whether it's agriculture or practical, any practical skills, we always ask the children to look for lessons that God is teaching them. So here's a little video clip, if we can uh, get it to play, where one of the students is sharing a um, testimony of one of the lessons that she received. This day we were working in that lot that we're clearing out, and it's full of rocks, and so we were kind of pulling out the rocks first before we get uh, the garden set up, and so this is the lesson that she received from that. Are we able to play it? No. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you were able to hear it. A lot of background noise. There's, there was a lot of wind. But basically, she, she gathered that the soil, we know it's our heart. And so taking out these rocks are like taking out the things that are keeping us from understanding uh, the Word of God or receiving the Word of God. And uh, it might take a long time because we figured that there it was taking us forever. And, uh, but she says in the end, it will be good, right? So they, they are getting lessons and they enjoy going to the garden. Yesterday I shared with the class how at one time we has, uh, the, the, the farm manager had decided to give them a break for a few weeks. So there was not much to do in the, in the farm and he figured that would be nice for them to get a break. And uh, so I communicated that to the children. They decided that's not what they want. And they want to uh, make a protest and they wanted to make a poster and go to the farm and make a strike uh, so that they would get farm back. And we did, and we started the farm again. So they, they love it. They love going out to the farm. If you ask the children uh, what are the favorite things that of our school farm always comes about one of them. And so they do enjoy working in, in the soil um, and getting all these different lessons. Physiology is another important aspect of true education. Um, a practical knowledge of the science of human life is necessary in order to glorify God in our bodies. It is necessary in order to glorify God in our bodies. It is therefore of the highest importance that among the studies selected for childhood, physiology should occupy the first place. 
KCH page 38. Why is this important? Because we know that our physical health will affect our spiritual health. So we need to make sure that they know how to keep themselves healthy. Uh, did I skip one? Yes, helpful cooking. Um, so we teach them cooking classes, not just how to cook, but how to cook healthy. This is important if they want to have their bodies to be healthy. Um, Councils to teachers, parents, and students, page 127 says, do not neglect to teach your children how to prepare wholesome food. In giving them these lessons in physiology and in good cooking, you are teaching them the first steps in some of the most useful branches of education and inculcating principles which are needful elements in their religious life. Now, usually we don't think of cooking as an important thing for our religious life but God sees it that way. So it is important that they learn how to cook in a way that they are, it will induce a better Christian experience. Medical missionary work is another aspect that the children need to get from our schools. Adventist Home, page 489 says, here in our church schools, children are to be instructed in the special truth of this time and in practical missionary work. They are to enlist in the, in the army of workers to help the sick and the suffering. Children can take part in medical missionary work and by their jots and tittles can help to carry it forward. By them, God's message will be made known and his saving health to all nations. And so we took this very seriously, and we make sure that children not only learn ways to minister to people, but that they will have a love to do it. And we encourage them, we do not ask their children, what do you want to be when you grow up? We encourage them to ask God, what does he want them to be when they grow up? We are not um, educating children to be successful in this world. In our school, we are constantly emphasizing, we are training you to work for God one day, and we are giving them all the skills they need to be successful workers in God's venue. And so, we are required to teach them about careers. This is something that they ask us to do. And so what we have done is we've invited various people in our campus that do different things. And what I tell the different individuals, I ask them, to share their general duties that they do in their work. For example, we, have our we had our mechanic come, we had one of our doctors, and we have a list of other people that were um, invited different skills and traits and professions. Um, and they just share what is some of the tools they use, some of the things they do. And, but most importantly, I ask them to emphasize how they can serve God through this trade or profession. Because one thing I tell the children, if there is a desire you have to do something, you need to ask God, can I serve you doing this? Right? And I um, have encouraged them that God has, has created them, and he had a plan for them before they were formed. Therefore, he will give them special abilities and desires for that. It is important that they do look at what they enjoy, but they need to make sure that they will use these abilities and the things they enjoy to do 
for not their own desires and their own uh, pleasures, but to honor and glorify God. So we are constantly directing them in this direction, and uh, we provide for them different training. We have different people who have come and taught them on how to use different natural remedies, and they really enjoy that. Um, we have one of the ladies on our campus taught them how to use onions and, and garlic in different ways, and we taught them some hydrotherapy, massage, and charcoal poultices. They have made them and put them on themselves, so they have enjoyed uh, learning the different ways to be medical missionaries. Canvassing is another aspect uh, that I never thought of as being part of education until I read this, um, this quote in, in Publishing Ministry, page 363, and it says, God desire that the sale of Christ's subject lessons shall be recognized by all people as his method of relieving our schools from debt. Now this is his method, and many times we use our own methods to do it. It is because this plan has been neglected that we now feel so keenly our lack of means for the advancing work. And so this really hit me, and uh, so we decided to, to start a canvassing program. It's a little simpler than what uh, young adults would do. Um, the quote continues, had the schools availed themselves of the provision thus made for them, there would be more money in the school treasuries and more money in the hands of God's servants with which to relieve the necessities of other needy departments of the cause. So if we had followed that, not only would we have the money we need, but we would have had enough to help other departments. And best of all, teachers and students would have received the very lessons that they needed to learn in the master's service. And this is what really hit me. God provides ways for our financial needs, but in the end, the most important thing is our salvation. And so best of all, teachers and students, we have received the very lessons that they need. Everything we do is not just to give God money, it's not to give God our work, it's not to, God really does not need us or our money. He's trying to save us. When we do what he is asking us to do, it is helping us to be prepared to be with him for eternity. So in everything, he is reaching out to save our own souls. And so in participating of this, it's lessons that we receive, the children and the teachers. And not just spiritual lessons, but let me tell you, a lot of times people ask me, how do you do all these things and teach the academics? Um, we have not neglected the academics in the elementary school. I didn't show you these things because this we always do. I'm showing you the things we need to make sure are there. Um, but when the children are approaching these people, we, what we do is we sit out in front of our country store and uh, the guests that come in, many of them, uh, not Avenus, are coming into our store. They approach them, they introduce themselves, they uh, give their little canvas, which is a little simpler than what a usual canvasser would give, um, and uh, they sell their books. And many times I've had people approach me and say, I've never seen children this young express themselves so well. So how do I, I'm so sorry. I wasn't counting on that, doing that. Did it stop? Okay. How do I, uh, am I able to, to fit it all in? It's all in there. They're getting language right there. Why make the children memorize the speech and stand in front of the class and just say something that has no purpose when they can just be learning language and using it in a purposeful way. And, uh, and I mean, it, you don't see 
the, the public schools where children are getting language more hours than we are and are emphasizing all this, these children cannot speak as freely and as well as my children do because they are doing their own kind of education. You don't need to do so much academics if they don't have the, ability, the opportunity to actually practice what they're learning, it's no use. And that's true with everything in life, right? If we're not practicing what we're learning from the Bible, it's the same, no use. Okay, chores is an aspect of our school as well. Um, Child Guidance, page 350 says, God desires both parents and teachers to train children in the practical duties of everyday life. So we teach the children to do chores in our school. They would treat the school as their home. Um, and uh, they have to clean the toilets, the sinks, sweep, um, do different various things around the school. Practical skills of all kinds. Um, this is a call to stand apart, page 62. In ministry to the poor, there is a wide field of service for women as well as for men. The efficient cook, the housekeeper, the seamstress, the nurse, the help of all is needed. Let the members of poor households be taught how to cook, how to make and mend their own clothing, how to nurse the sick, how to care properly for the home. Let boys and girls be thoroughly taught some useful trade of, or occupation. So we t teach them all the useful things that we can think of that will be good for them, especially as we think of them in their homes and in the work of God. And so they learn sewing, they learn some different practical skills with Pastor Atwood. Um, they've worked in some building projects here. They are helping out to build a shed for the farm. They um, they are making a sign that is now in front of our school. They work at the country store, the earth shop, the laundry. Uh, they've been in different parts of the departments. The upper graders go uh, in the afternoon. They spend an hour in one of the departments. They learn a lot of skills uh, from their um, character development and um, academic skills as well in, in these different things. We had the opportunity to, um, to build a tree house which our um, maintenance department help us do and the children help to be part of this. They're very excited about it. They love building um, projects so we also worked in building this little stool which uh, that's something I taught them. I don't know anything about building. I learned how to use a drill and a circular saw and a hammer and a saw by teaching at the school because I, there was a need and here I am, I need to do it. I always had my dad do those things for me. I didn't know how to use these things. I knew how to cook, clean, saw. I need to do a woman's job and now I've had to learn how to do a man's job as well so I can teach these children. And so it was not the best looking thing, but they're so excited about it that when they finished it, they, they begged me if they can walk into the other classroom and show the other children what they have done. And so we walked in and they show it and they told, they made all the students get up on the thing and it's in our classroom and they use it to be able to reach the part of the board that they can't reach because they are so small. Uh, let me make sure I have my paper on the right place. Uh, serving others, let me not forget this one. Uh, the children should be educated that they will sympathize with the aged and afflicted and will seek to out alleviate the suffering of the poor and distressed. They should be taught to be diligent in missionary work and from their earliest years, self-denial and sacrifice for the good of others and the advancements of Christ's cause should be in inculcated that they may be laborers together with God. 
Here they're actually cleaning the apartment of one of our elderly uh, members. And so we have done several things to help some of the, the sick and the age around our campus and even off of our campus as well. Sorry. Okay, now I found myself on my notes. Sorry about that. Now the question is, will we believe? You know, for us, I have heard many stories, very successful stories, or at least successful in the way that we success, where people say, uh, God said to do this, we did it, and look, our numbers increase, uh, our children did better, people are calling us everywhere wanting to do what we're doing. But there are other times when you follow God's plans and your numbers will go down. Then what? Sometimes you will follow God's plans and people will not be happy about it. Then what? If we are depending on the success that we as human beings expect to have to follow God's plans, we will become discouraged. So the question is, do we believe God's word whatever the results? Whether our schools will increase in numbers, whether we will have financial difficulties or whether money will be overflowing, Whatever we do, whether you are doing agriculture, whether you're doing medical missionary work, whether, whether you're doing uh, evangelism and education, any aspect of God's work, we need to be willing to follow his counsels, whatever the results. God does not see as we see. 1 Samuel 15, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55. It is not... Sorry. Okay, it is not the largest number of students, but the spiritual atmosphere that will prove the success of the school. Testimonies, volume 5, page 31 says, If you lower the standard in order to secure popularity and an increase of numbers, and then make this increase a cause of rejoicing, you show great blindness. If number were evidence of success, Satan might claim the preeminence for it. In this, for in this world, his followers are largely in the majority. It is the degree of moral power pervading the college that is a test of its prosperity. It is the virtue, intelligence, and piety of the people composing our churches, not their numbers, that should be source of joy and thankfulness. What is true success? Here's how we find true success. Obedience to every word of God is another condition of success. It's not numbers. Obedience to every word. Victories are not gained by ceremonies or displays, but by simple obedience to the highest general, the Lord God of heaven. He who trusts in this leader will never know defeat. Defeat comes in depending on human methods, human inventions and placing the divine secondary. Obedience was the lesson that the captain of the Lord's host sought to teach the vast armies of Israel. Obedience in things in which they could see no success. When there is obedience, 
to the voice of our leader, Christ will conduct his battles in ways that will surprise the greatest powers of the world. Volume 6 of the Testimonies, 140. Obedience to the word of God. The problem is we cannot see all things. We need to remember, for God's success is souls won to the kingdom. And, you know, sometimes I think about these large um, evangelistic series where 2,000 people are baptized. And we see it and we're like, wow, 2,000. And we may have another one where 20 people are baptized. Oh, just 20 people. But when God sees it, he sees this 2,000 and maybe five make it into the kingdom of heaven. And maybe of this 20, 15 make it into the kingdom of heaven. Which one was more successful? We cannot see. We cannot see. Only God can see. And so we need to trust him. We need to follow his word diligently, completely, and we need to leave the results to him. If you have one, you continue to do the work of the Lord. And I end with this, Five Testimonies, Volumes 137, page 3. We have wandered away from the old landmarks. Let us return. If the Lord be God, serve him. If Baal serve him, which side will, be, will you be on? The enemy since the beginning has been dying to us. I share with my students this week, I think the saddest story in this uh, world, the story of Adam and Eve. The saddest story of the history of this earth. Man fell into sin because they believed the lies of the devil. He came with an idea to Eve that she could have something better than what God had to offer. So it is up to us, are we going to believe that what God offers is something better, or are we going to believe that what the world or the devil has to offer is something better? And my encouragement to you is that we will believe God even when we do not see the success, that we will believe him and follow him in all our ways. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your great love and mercy towards us. We're thankful because you have not left us in darkness, but given us all the light that we need. Forgive us, dear Lord, that we have neglected in so many areas, in agriculture and education and evangelism, in so many areas we've neglected the very clear counsel that you have given us, and we have taken ideas from the world of how to do these things. Forgive us, dear Lord, and we pray today, strengthen our faith in your word. Help us to have true faith that we'll believe when we cannot see. Help us to believe and be obedient to your word, whatever the result. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.